This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. This week on the Doctor Who Podcast, um, Michelle, have you got an intro you can do? This week on the Doctor Who Podcast... No, that that's terrible. I'll do it. This week on the Doctor Who Podcast, we're going to cover... Awful, absolutely terrible. I will do an intro. This week on the Doctor Who podcast, we have questions from you, our wonderful listeners. Oh, God, that's awful. Couldn't we come up with something oh, better? Man. We should really good prepare. Good grief. Yeah, we need, we need someone else. I thought that was quite good. Yes, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Doctor Who podcast. And do you know, I think we've gone so high up the number range now, I don't even know what number episode this is. Trevor, what episode is this? 288. It is, it is one past the last one we did. <laughs> 288. I just like that. You get the voice of efficiency coming. I'm so bored with this uncertainty. It's 288. Get on with it, James. Hello, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, James. Good morning. I've got out of bed at one o'clock in the morning. I am not wasting time for you to amuse yourself with numbers. <laughs> I can I can just hear your thought process, Michelle. <laughs> the longer the intro goes, the, the the longer it takes me to get back to bed. <laughs> Whereas me, I'm sitting here at seven PM, I have a beautiful meal in front of me. I don't care what episode number it is. It could be four hundred and five for all I care. I think we're going to have to rename this Trevor's Food Cast. Every time you're on here, you're eating something or picking up, what was it, crisps or pub food off the floor last episode. I heard. I think we cleared that up last week, James, about the whole food versus podcast recording conundrum. I think we figured that out. What, that whenever we record you happen to be eating? Yes, I think you could be right. You did resolve <laughs> that issue quite conclusively. And uh, it, it's quite interesting, actually, given what we're going to be talking about this week. Um, I'm, I'm quite surprised we don't have any questions about Trevor's breakfast, lunch or dinner habits, given how often we are privy to hearing them on, on this show. But uh, we, we have a whole bunch of questions from listeners who want us to discuss various subjects. Now, we, we, we did this well, months ago, long before season eight began, and we put a call out there to say, well, what do you want us to talk about? Do you have any questions? Do you want to hear our views on stuff? And you responded in your droves, and we, we did one episode. What episode number was that, Michelle? Actually, we did more than one episode. There was one that you were on, and there was one that you weren't on. Oh, good. No, right. That would teach me for trying to be clever, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> I've just got one question. No. <laughs> what item of clothing is a drove? Is that some English thing? A drove? Hmm. Yeah, you, you said people responded in their droves. I'm just wondering what they were wearing when they emailed us. Right. Yeah, it's quite like pyjamas. Oh, really? You, yeah, you, said you tend to wear them just after you've got back from a long journey because you've just drove in them. Oh, so, so they're comfortable sort of sleepwear type things. Okay. You've got All it. Right. You've got it. Yes. Sleepwear, I think I've got wear. a couple of pair of droves. In Goodness. My, uh, Do you know what? It's not what Trevor's eating, listeners, this episode. is what on earth have you been drinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't be caught dead in a drove. <laughs> anyway, did I get through explaining the conceit of this episode or was I interrupted by Trevor and his UK clothing queries? Well, the way I understand it, the way I understand it, James, is that you have a bunch of listener questions that you have given careful consideration to yes. that Trev and I have never heard. Yes. So right off the bat, there's an inequity there. There we go. Michelle, straight to the point, as per always. 
Me, yes. I'm just willing to waste as much time as possible. So basically, we've got questions. So you two be quiet for a little while, and uh, I'll go through the questions. <laughs> and, good and good luck can, with that. And you can, yeah. <laughs> and you can respond. You can respond accordingly. So if you are ready, our first listener question is from, I like this one, from Jeff in Athens. Um, I'm not quite sure Jeff is a traditional Greek name, but um, yeah, thanks for sending in your question, Jeff. And this is a very general question, and I think we'll be debating it for a while. What are the most memorable stories for you all from each era? Now, I, I don't think we can go through the whole lot because that will be just the one question for the remainder <laughs> of the episode. But on a you know, fairly whistle-stop tour of the last 50 years of Doctor Who canon, what are the most memorable stories for you two? We kind of talked about that a little bit last week, didn't we? You yeah, we did. asked me sort of in a roundabout way what my favourite stories were from, you know, the last 50 years of Who as, as some form of, um, I don't know, justification for why I thought season eight was so awful. So I, I think we've asked and answered that question, James. So let's move on to the next one. It's because you weren't listening. That's why. Not your favourite stories. These are the most memorable stories. Oh, most memorable. What's the mm. difference? Well. Tell me what the difference is. You won't necessarily have a story that you remember or is particularly prominent in your mind just because you like it. There might be right. other reasons. They might resonate with you in particular. I don't know. Oh, Okay. Well, on that note, Michelle, you should go first. <laughs> For the sake of time, thinking era as in classic and new who, um, the ones that are coming to mind immediately right now just probably have more to do with what I've watched or or listened to or read or whatever recently. But mm. when I think classic era right now, the, the, the two doctors that are coming most to mind are the first doctor and the fourth doctor, just because I've been dabbling in those eras uh, of late. And and with the first doctor, it's the one we talked about last week, so I'm not going to go into it all that much more. I'm still right now really entranced with Marco Polo. But um, fourth doctor was the doctor that, that I first met. That was my first doctor. And... Um, Gosh, Pyramids of Mars, like like you talked about last week, one of my all-time favorites. But but lately I've been going through the, the E-Space trilogy, and um, that, that era, I have a hunch that's about the time that I first came to the show. So when I think about things like um, Full Circle and um, State of De- Decay, Warrior's Gate, um, that that whole sequence leading into the final, final couple of stories for the fourth Doctor looms large in my uh, memory of what Doctor Who is all about and what Doctor Who is like and kind of what the flavour of the show is. So I, I think last week when I was listening to you and Trevor talking in a gym, as it was, um, you accused Trevor of not answering the question at one point. I'm not sure you've given me a definitive answer there. Are there any other stories, that, other than the ones that you just happen to be watching, that will always be a little bit memorable for you the ones that you well, will remember more the detail. ones that, <laughs> well james the ones i've watched most recently are the ones i remember the best I so so up. based on yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trevor, trevor have you got any alternative before i jump in <laughs> well i i'm furiously trying to not come up with ones that are my favorites and i i really want to tackle the word memorable properly and if i was to use the word memorable in its most i don't know sarcastic way so, so, some of the stories that spring to mind are the underwater menace from the Second Doctor era, mm. where they had lots of underpaid uh, British swimmers swimming around in a fishbowl. I think it was in episode two. You know, you know that that awful scene there where um, 
you know, they're showing all the inhabitants of this area and all, all these badly make-upped and costumed women just swimming around in this giant fishbowl. That was memorable to me. It was. Yeah, um, absolutely right. Yes, Episode yes, 3, yes. I think it was, though. Was it 3? Oh, because that's the I one that survives, three. isn't it? Yes. That's, yeah, it, that's, it, it that's... was ironic. It was, it, it's, it's funny, actually. It's not so much the, the way it looks. It's the length of the scene. Uh, I think it's mm, around about mm. 8 or 9 minutes, and all you've got is this, well, basic um, underwater choreographed swim uh, what, what do they call yeah. these things synchronized swimming or something yeah yes uh, in, but in, without in, the nose plugs yeah. yeah yeah there you got it yeah no it is memorable you're not wrong yeah well that that that's the spirit i'm trying to get into with this and mm. one of the other memorable ones would be horns of nymon and of <laughs> course the 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 infamous death scene where I, I think it's the only doctor who villain that has ever died while laughing and that, that that was incredibly memorable for me. <laughs> one for the history books. Two good examples, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd only thought of the one in response to this. And I think the image, well, I'm slightly concerned that this is actually the case. The image that seems to have lodged itself in my brain is the maggot, are the maggots from the Green Death. And I, I'm not sure oh. whether I just happened to see repeats of these stories you know on a fairly regular basis so because when i was younger whenever i used to turn bbc2 on on a sunday lunchtime there was always the green death on so the things that stick in my mind are, are the maggots and also the boss computer at the end um well i say at the end he's what there about throughout john we dressed up as a woman that that is the thing from that story that really um, sticks out for me as being memorable. I where he was trying is, to break into the uh, in, he, he was he was trying to break into the chemical plant, wasn't he? And yeah. one of the ruses he used was to dress up as a uh, washerwoman, mm. and you know he he, he put on a very um, how shall one say it camp performance. I, I thought he was just getting into character, personally. <laughs> I was going to say, frankly, I don't find any of those scenes very memorable because I haven't seen them yet. That's one of the few that I haven't watched. <laughs> okay. You need to go and watch A Green Death, Michelle. Come back and tell us what you think about it. I still have I still have a, a handful that I haven't seen yet, and that, one, that uh, one's in the list. Well... Parting of the Ways, I think, for me, is probably the only regeneration that has taken me by surprise and I think, therefore, has been a bit memorable. I mean, we knew Eccleston was going, but it hadn't been confirmed at that point that David Tennant was taken over. So him morphing into David Tennant was a, a, a kind of surprise and, therefore, is memorable. And I remember the whole of the excitement around the first season, really, being something quite unique within my fandom, anyway. So... Yeah, so those are, those are my moments, I would say, that uh, are particularly memorable. And, I, and it is something, let's, let's face it, if we went through every Doctor's era, we could probably take up an entire show. So um, thank you very much, Jeff. Next question. Yes, unless either of the two of you have got any more memories. Have you remembered any more memorable episodes? I've well, we just, had the, we just had the anniversary of, of Survival and, and the final episode of the classic series, and that, that having them walk off into the sunset together i think is an image that that really does stay with you so another memorable one yeah. from the seventh doctor very true very true okay this well, staying on the theme of memories our second question is from marcy and i'm sure we've actually discussed this on the show before but i can't remember when <laughs> which is ironic given we're talking about memories but what is your earliest memory of doctor who it's interesting because I got into Doctor Who when I was about, I think, must have been about seven or eight years old. So a lot of my early memories are very muddled. 
I, I do have a lot of memories of, you know, the Graham Williams era of Doctor Who, because that was on when I was about seven or eight. Mm. But I also have some incredibly intense memories of my local newsagent um, essentially drip-feeding, uh, you know, copies of Target novels occasionally. And, and, and I remember very vividly having to save up my pocket money once because I wanted to buy The Armageddon Factor because the local newsagent had it, and I thought the cover was really nice. But then once I finally saved up enough money, and I think it was like $1.75 or something at the time, so it was big finances for a kid of my age, um, I, I finally went up there, but Armageddon Factor had been sold. Oh. <clears throat> and I had to buy another one based off its cover, and he had a copy of The Three Doctors there. And I bought that merely because it, it was a really nice cover. It was like a photographic cover. Of, of all, all mm-hmm. the three doctors from that story. So I bought the three doctors as my first uh, novelization of any Doctor Who. So that's probably more ingrained in my head than actually remembering what An episode. Um, story I saw first, mm. yes. Mm. Do, yeah. do you happen to remember what story you saw first on TV? I, I'm, I'm only guessing because, like I said, I was seven or eight years old when um, Graham Williams was the producer. So that's around the era of Invisible Enemy and, you know, all those stories like that. So probably somewhere around then, you know, around the key to time season, perhaps, would would be the first story I ever saw. Okay. Well, well, I have distinct memories of the setting, and I I have a guess at what the story was. But I remember I was probably about 13, 13, 14, somewhere in there, and being in my parents' uh, bedroom. And they had a TV mounted kind of high in the corner of the ceiling – and I remember looking up at this and flipping through channels and finding our PBS station, and they were showing a Tom Baker episode of the show and being mesmerized, just being being caught up in it, partly because it looked so different than any, any American TV. It was just kind of, what is this? Um, and then, of course, it ended on a cliffhanger, and I'm a sucker for a cliffhanger. I, I was absolutely hooked because I had to tune in again to, to find out what it was. Looking back, my best guess at what I was watching, because I remember them wandering through corridors, <laughs> which doesn't narrow it down that much, but I'm pretty sure it was Horns of Nymon. Uh, oh, I, I, I am I'm almost po- – that, that's my best guess at what I was watching is, is Horns of Nymon. Oh, Michelle, 13 years old and you saw the Horns of Nymon. That is amazing. Well, and I have always had a soft spot for that for that episode, and I it, I uh, mm, I get a little protective. You know, Michelle, I really had you pegged as your first story being like a first run David Tennant story when you were thirteen. I really did. <laughs> oh, oh, mm. you're you're you're. you're well, a Trevor, I had yours. It was uh, <laughs> the Aztecs or something. But... <laughs> oh, <laughs> there you go. Anyway, uh, my my first memory, which I I think I now have been able to identify, because again in in common with most other fans they remember scenes but don't necessarily think oh yes that was this particular story straight away i remember some kind of machine with three triangular prongs of of a machine all kind of focusing in on the middle and they were designed a little bit like i don't know electricity pylons you know the the parts of the pylons the the santaran uh the santaran experiment no it wasn't actually no (laughs) but i know i I could see where you're you're coming from there from my description but it's it's the part of the pylon where the, the electric wire is actually connected to um and it took me years to figure out what it was. Uh, long after I got into Doctor Who, um, but I, I finally 
figured it out, and I'm pretty certain it was the scene from City of Death. Uh, where they are kind of reducing ah. the chicken or retrogating the chicken back to an egg or whatever, and ah. try and find out whether it was the chicken or the egg that came first. It's not really a pylon, though, is it? It's, it's a bit too small to be a pylon. No, it's not. It's not a pylon. It's it's the kind of connector part of it. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. trying to describe the triangular. Um, well, if I knew what it was called, I guess I'd use the name. But uh, it always reminded me a little bit of. Uh, electricity pile on that they use here in the UK certainly but I'm, I'm pretty certain City of Death is my my earliest episode or mm. my earliest memory um, of, of a Doctor Who story anyway this this is a slightly different question and I, I remember when we put the questions or when we asked listeners to send in their suggestions we said they could ask questions about anything um, not just Doctor Who um, episodes it could be something to do with a podcast and Denise from Darlington wants to know what podcasts do you listen to and she's asked two questions here and how long does it take to produce an episode of the DWP so what podcasts do you listen to Trevor I'm assuming other than ours none none excellent Michelle <laughs> don't I get to well, explain it don't I get to explain no. it <laughs> I ain't got time for that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know the one I the one I listen to most faithfully, other than our own, is um, uh, the Doctor Who Book Club um, with with Sean and Eric, and going through some of the old BBC novelizations, Virgin novelizations, um, well, uh, original novels of, of the past Doctors, the uh, Eighth Doctor, that you know all the all the novels that came out during the Wilderness years. Uh, and I've been enjoying that monthly podcast where you read the book and then you listen into the podcast. So that's been one of my favorites, and it it's always more um, more relevant when you've done done the work yourself and read through yeah. it. There's others that I dip into, you know, off and on, and um, one that I'm still trying to catch up on. Um, uh, the quest is the quest is one that that Brent put together last year for the 50th anniversary, watching the entire run of. Uh, of Doctor Who and commenting on the seasons and having oftentimes a different guest uh, speaker at, at, for each episode. That That's one I've been enjoying and I'm still working through. I think I was on that at some point. I forget what season it was I reviewed now. I think I might have been on that too. Hmm. I And I remember uh, I, I I did the, the specials. But, so but do, do we all only listen to podcasts that we're on? Is that what we're saying? You do. I don't listen to any. I think I've made that clear. You won't let me explain why. <laughs> of course you can, Trevor. But I'm, I'm actually of a very similar view. I, I listen to very, very few podcasts these days as well. But uh, And practically no other Doctor Who podcasts. I, I think the thing is too, I mean, I mean, I've said it to you guys before that we spend so much time producing our own most excellent podcast that when you get finally get to the end of doing that and editing it and putting it out um there's no other time to actually listen to other podcasts i i will admit that i do listen to some of the big ones like um radio free scaro and dwo when the uh, seasons are on air because i'm mm. interested in hearing a few opinions um when you know when there's a new series about but when there's not a new series about, I, I, I find it very difficult to find the time because, like I said, you, you spend so much time doing your own that not not that the other ones are bad, but the last thing you want to do is spend time listening to more podcasts after spending hours and hours and hours producing your own. Well, it, is, it is really strange, isn't it? Because when people say, well, how did you find out about podcasts and why did you start doing a DWP? Generally speaking, it's because, well, we, we were all listeners to other mm-hmm. podcasts yeah. and we thought, yeah. well, mm-hmm. we can do that. And it comes a point where 
you you get so into your own production that your interest in the other shows drops off. And and I'm the same. I mean, I listen to the odd episodes of Radio Free Scaro. Um, I listen. I do listen to Chip pretty much all the time, just mm-hmm. because yeah, he, sim- he simply doesn't take time out of my life <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he says he's a two minute time lord he's not uh he's, he hasn't done an episode that's lasted two minutes since i think episode two and he's now he on cheats, seven thousand he, or he something. cheats because he, yeah, he, he doesn't count the opening and closing credits he just counts the bit where he talks <laughs> oh, so he every doesn't, episode doesn't have that qualification in the show note oh yeah well and, and, and I'll, I'll dip in and out of the memory cheats too that, that that's enjoyable and not a terribly long one but um but, you I, know i think uh, yeah. i actually think one of the most interesting things that Denise asks is the second part of her question how long does it take to produce an episode of the Doctor Who podcast far too long long. (laughs) some of you guys are terrible to work with you take ages to edit yes Trev you do well, I, I, I mean, first off, you know, somebody's got to got to plan what's coming up and think about that. And if there are uh, listener questions or audio feedback or or an inter- interview to be done, that that takes quite a bit of prep time ahead of time. The big finish reviews actually take a long time to get down to those little five minutes because you have to listen yeah. to hours hours of big finish. You have and to then... keep waking yourself up. And... No, yeah, t- incredible. No, 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 no. <laughs> and, 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 and I find it sometimes gets harder to edit down to that, that time frame than it does um, a longer thing. But but for me, once you, once you actually then find a time to sit down and, and spend an hour and a half recording or, or chatting at least, not always recording for, for maybe a 45 or 50 minute show, um, to me, to edit takes six to eight hours, oftentimes for wow for, for an oh, well, yeah. for a five well, minute review. Wow. No, 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 for a regular <laughs> episode. But that's especially if you're if you're putting in clips. Um, if you're finding, uh, if if your big finish certainly takes the longest because you're you're finding a bunch of different clips and putting those in. But if it's something like a listener feedback episode where where you're uh, running through and maybe doing some edit on on the feedback so that so that you all listeners sound as good as you can, uh, as good as you are. <laughs> um, but then putting all that in, finding stings, and I, I tend to be a little overachiever when it comes to that because when, when I do the little musical stings, I try and find stings from whatever it is we're talking about. If it's a classic Doctor Who story, I'll go in and I'll pull a bunch of audio cues specific to that story so that so that the um, the atmosphere is correct mm. all the way through. So, so yeah, I, that's why, uh, yeah. For me, it's it's a good chunk out of a better part of a day to to edit one of these. Well, I think it's self evident that Michelle puts in more effort than you and I combine, James. By the sound, <laughs> it doesn't take me six to eight hours. No, me, I I, no. I just I just slap a few stings together and edit a few things, you know, on autopilot, then slap <laughs> the episode out within about two hours. I mean, it's, obviously, it's weird, I'm not spending it? enough time. I wouldn't go that far. I, I, it's certainly not two hours for me. But uh, I, and I think also I I do tend to be of the view that you know edit is there not not to do, not to truncate the episode or anything, but it's just to try and make certain that the points are made in a fairly concise way and they're not repeated and stuff like that in a fairly concise way and they're not repeated and stuff like that. So you know stuff that isn't repetition, I generally try to leave. Mm. in uh, so long as it doesn't overrun so I, I i would i would say probably about half that time it takes me to edit an episode um but the preparation and getting it online the show notes making certain the links to the forum are put on all of the marketing i suppose you know on um social media that all takes a, lo- a lot of time so yeah it's 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 not a small part out of the week <laughs> let's, let's, let's put it that way no and then, and then there's trying trying to keep up with the forum or trying to keep up with the the 
the emails and and the feedback that comes in. Um, it it's um, it is a a massive undertaking, really. You are right, Michelle. Actually, because I mean, I I don't kind of end up thinking about all the stuff we do for the big finish stuff as well, like listening to the audios and you know like doing a few notes about what you thought of it. I I don't. I mean, I initially didn't sort of stick that in my head as part of the computation when. James said the question, I thought, okay, it takes me about three hours to edit all the audios and boom, 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 boom. But then there's all the other stuff there about, you know, actually listening to the stuff that we review or, or watching the stuff we review. So, mm. I mean, it can add up to a sizable amount of time, I suppose, if yeah. we actually want to count actual hours, yeah. I, I think it, it is pretty much like a, a, an unpaid job that we voluntarily do but you you need to bear in mind that Mm. we do it because we enjoy it It, it, it's not something that we do because we have to and uh, the point at which it becomes really arduous I think is when we um we all got to start having a big serious think but uh but there you go thank you very much indeed Denise Right, our next question um, from Robert in Cardiff. What Doctor I've been Who there. Lo- yeah, I, well, it's ironic actually, Trevor. What Doctor Who locations did Trevor visit when he was in the U of K? Oh, I tell you, I bore my family senseless now. We watch all this stuff about, um, <laughs> or we watch all these series that are set in the U of K. And I love sitting there and going, <laughs> been there. Yeah, but they love you. They they were even more bored when they were back in 2011 when I went to uh, San Francisco and LA because we watch a lot of American series as well. And I used to sit there and go, been there, been there, there, (laughs) drove past there. And oh, it's just a whole. Was drunk there. Oh, it's fantastic. It's another (laughs) year I can bore my family senseless with shout outs to places I've been that they'll probably never go to. It's fantastic. Um, what, What was the question again, James? (laughs) <laughs> yeah no that was it that's a good answer let's move on um <laughs> what what locations you you went to see a number of castles didn't you you had a bit of a castle day with ian well it was interesting we we were up in Cardiff for two days and you were with us there for the first day james and mm. ian stayed on for the second day the first day was kind of we were in cardiff and there were doctor who locations there that that we knew were there like the uh, restaurant mm, from mm. boomtown and we had lunch in the uh, diner from that store episode and pretty much walking around cardiff bay um you bump into locations wherever you turn pretty much every building has been used um, somewhere in the new series and so i mean we saw lots of stuff there and and of course lots of uh, torchwood locations too um, it was interesting the second day um, I had a desire to see some castles because castles really aren't very um, plentiful here in Australia. So I said to Ian, I'd, I'd love to be able to go see a beautiful old castle and have a walk around it. So he, he put his little heads together and he came up with this place in uh, just about half an hour outside of Cardiff called Care Philly. And we got there and it's this beautiful picturesque you know, postcard-type town with this massive derelict castle right in the middle. It was absolutely beautiful. And it was really only later we learnt that it had been used um, for a few Doctor Who stories. Um, It was the location where the Master was brought back to life uh, through that magic incantation thing. Um, In the end of time. 
and the end of time. Mm. And it was used in Robots of Sherwood as well. Pretty much all of the story was filmed within the grounds of that castle. Mm. Um, wasn't wasn't the almost people and rebel flesh film there as well or was that a different i believe castle? um it's a different one because we went then oh. went from care philly and back towards cardiff there's a uh victorian folly called uh Carcel kosh which basically this rich eccentric person built in the style of a uh castle slash bavarian folly and um What's been filmed? I think it was Almost People, and the, oh, I can't remember now actually. But there were a few other Doctor Who stories that were filmed there, and we mm. only learnt that once we arrived because we listened to the audio commentary as we wandered around the castle, and the uh, guy on the commentary said, "Oh, by the way, this this story was filmed here, and this story was filmed here." Blah 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 blah. <laughs> so it, it it was a kind of a, a you know sort of a happenstance type of thing that we found these uh, places on the second day that we didn't really even know were Doctor Who locations. Yeah. But, you know, uh, five or six stories were filmed there. So it was a nice um, coincidence. You know, Trev, there's a place mm. that, that I don't know. Well, you probably went in the lobby. But when, when I visited Cardiff, we did a tour of the Millennium Center. Um, and uh, so they mm. the backstage mm. tour takes you back into the, the depths of it and the corridors. And, and so many of the, doc, the, the modern Doctor Who things were filmed at some point in, in kind of the bowels of the Millennium Center, that that was a lot of fun, um, both as someone who okay. enjoys theater and seeing the backstage tour of, of a large functioning theater, but also as someone who enjoyed Doctor Who um, locations. So that I recommend that if, if folks visit Cardiff, mm. if you can get on that tour. I'm not sure the tour still runs, but there there, there are loads of recognisable filming locations within the centre. Mm-hmm. Even if you just go into the lobby, <laughs> yeah, know, I think because 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 we got to the lobby slash box office area, mm. and I think the lobby was used in Amy's Choice or something. No, the girl who waited. The girl who waited. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yes, yes. So <laughs> I mean, like I said, I mean you you walk around Cardiff, and every corner you turn. There's a Doctor Who or Torchwood location um, yeah. everywhere because I mean all of Cardiff Bay. I think every square inch of it's been filmed for something in Doctor Who or Torchwood. And you Incredible. would have seen in in London, of course, you would have seen all kinds of Doctor Who locations as well. So, actually, I didn't see a huge amount actually because I didn't get to. St. You went to the Eye. I saw the Eye, yes, I, I, but I didn't get as far as St Paul's. Unfortunately, because I ran out of time. Well, we saw uh, it. We saw it from the South Bank. I pointed it true, out. It was a little dome, true, about three miles true. in the in the distance. Um, there's also the Tower of London that you went to. Yes, yes. And 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 our famous recording studio next to the BFI. That's our also That's, yes. frontier from space. Absolutely. Yes. You yes. probably so, walked past loads. In fact, you were at Tower Bridge at one point, which is next to the alleyway in Resurrection of the Daleks, which you would have walked down had you turned left instead of right when you'd have come out of the museum. <laughs> I actually but, I uh, actually took a photo of the apartment buildings that are down there thinking, oh, that's a beautiful shot. I and know. then I showed James later and he goes, oh, that's that, that those are the uh, you know, Butler's buildings from, <laughs> from, from Resurrection. And I went, yeah. oh, okay, there you go. But yeah, I, I turned right rather than left. So, yes. So you went to lots um, that you know about and probably more that you didn't. <laughs> Most probably, yes, yes. (laughs) 
Michelle has informed me that we need to lead into a big finish review. I, I don't know why. They're, they're pretty self-sufficient. But um, uh, I'll, I'll comply with whatever Michelle says. We're going to now talk about the big finish. We're now going to talk about the big finish story. What's the name of it? Something, Something inside. inside. Something inside. And that could probably actually apply to what's in this audio review. Let's see what's inside this something. Big finish with Ian and Michelle from across the Atlantic Ocean. Ian from the UK and Michelle from the United States. Reviewing Big Finish. Sorting out the wheat from the chaff and nonsense. Saving you money on the ones that are not so good. In Something Inside, the Doctor, Charlie and Cariz find themselves trapped inside a psychic prison where the battle-damaged ex-soldiers of a vicious war have been left to rot. Oh, Doctor, what happened to him? I wish I knew. I've never seen anything like it. His skull just seemed to... Look at his face, look at his eyes. Oh, he looks terrified. He died in absolute fear. But there's there's something else. Yes? There's something about his eyes. Something, oh, I don't know, empty almost. More than just dead. Some people say the eyes are the window to the soul. Yes, but then some people have more poetic sense than common sense. Well, you're right, Keris, there is something else. It feels like an itch in my own mind that I just can't scratch. I'll tell you what, in Something Inside, the Doctor and his friends have a really, really bad day. <laughs> this is uh, this is a dark one. It, it's kind of, uh, well, well the, the author, who's Trevor Baxendale, described it as a base under siege where the, the threat is locked inside the base with you, which in this case is a, a cube prison. But uh, this prison has some particularly nasty wardens in charge of it, and indeed the Doctor and Kara is quickly fall under their power and boy you spend the first couple of uh, episodes of this flashing back in and out of sequences of torture where the doctor and Kara's are being tortured so it, it, it's kind of a rough go for our heroes in this one but I, fa- I found it kind of mesmerizing anyway I, it, it's not going to be one of my favorites but again it was unique it was different from most of the things we've heard in terms of the story it was a relatively straightforward Doctor Who tale of they're trapped inside with some people who are fighting an oppressor. They work with them. They they work. They get captured. You know the the, the usual sorts of runarounds you get in Doctor Who, which is not to criticise it. And it it was okay as it went. There were two things about it that I struggled with. The first was that sort of flashback structure that the first couple of episodes uh, used because. Mm-hmm. It didn't really do anything, and it didn't really serve any purpose. It just seemed that they chose to, to tell it out of sequence for no particular reason. It's not as if you get any insight, or it mixes it up, or you know, places your expectations, or teases you as to what's going on. It just seemed to be, oh, let's just do these ones out of sequence. And I, I didn't find it actually did anything. Um, and the second, and this is a very unusual one for Big Finish, is the music. Yes, yes. There's, there's this little sort of ditty that plays mm. in the background and it's firstly it's quite an inappropriate mm-hmm, theme mm-hmm. because it's sort of this sort of strangely offbeat slightly quirky hipstery type little theme that you might hear in an advert which is completely at odds with the the dark oppressive uh, tone of the story it's coming for me tess i'm next i know i am wait Listen. i think you're right Something is coming. I can feel it. We've got to get away. Run! Run! It's coming for me! 
We've got to split up. Leave me! Right. I'll find the others. Run! And then they repeat it constantly. Every single scene, there's this little thing looping in the background to the point where I was tearing my ears off, saying, just stop playing the thing. And in the last episode, there was a towards the end when it really was getting quite sort of fraught, there was a couple of scenes where they didn't. And instantly the dramatic impact of the story jumped up just from not having this little ditty going constantly in the background. It was, it's maybe the very first time I've ever experienced that in a big finished production, as you say. Usually the, the sound design is so spot on. And this was so weird that I, I thought, well, maybe this is going to turn out to be you know, like Vengeance on Varos, where they're being filmed and people are watching it. And it, it, But no, it was just the sound design. It was really weird. But yeah, going back to what you said about the, the flashback sequence, that didn't bother me as much. The story opens with the real dramatic tension of, you know, the doctor being locked in a chamber, essentially being tortured. He also has amnesia. He's lost, lost his memory, or at least big chunks of it. And uh, there's a little reference, kind of an in-joke almost, back to the fact that the eighth doctor, not only in the, in the telemovie, but also in the novels, uh, frequently was suffering from memory loss. And so, you know, there's, I think there's kind of some subtext there. Trevor Baxendale has written more recently for uh, for Torchwood, uh, at least for the novels. And I that's where I first experienced his work. And there's something about kind of the off-kilter dark themes that are happening in this, admittedly diminished by the musical score, but but the dark themes themselves that actually feel like they would fit very well in, in the, uh, the Torchwood universe, perhaps even more so than Doctor Who. If you can reach past the really irritating music, then there is an okay story of the week thing going on here. There's there's nothing particularly wrong with it. I don't think it particularly soars or is particularly, you know, noteworthy. Yeah, odd, dark little story. Wonderful, Michelle and Ian. Thank you for that. Yes, it's, it's good to have your Eighth Doctor and Charlie and Carrie's reviews back now. It was one of the things that our listeners did keep on emailing us saying, you know, we, we like your season eight coverage. Well, some of them did anyway. But the one <laughs> thing that we're missing are the big finish reviews. So it's, it, it's good to be back with those. Anyway, to finish off our listener question episode i think we've got time just for one more and we've got quite a few here so you never know we might return to a couple next episodes or at some point in the future Um, but the final question that we're going to pose this time is and i like this one what's the best doctor companion mashup mashup Mm. does this uh questioner want us to move into non-canon speculation does he no, this is Brent from Arizona, actually. Oh, I forgot to mention who asked the question. I think it's who, you know, and we've kind of had a question or we've had an episode about this a long, long time ago, a couple of years. But which doctor would you like to see paired with a companion out of their time? That's how I'm reading it anyway. Mm, yeah, well, that, that, yeah, sounds like non-canon territory to me. Oh, but, um, yeah, stuff that hasn't happened, certainly. Oh, I, I don't believe in that sort of stuff, James. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think we need uh, Capaldi and, and Adric. Okay. <laughs> but we kind of got that a bit with Tom Baker and Adric because I mean, the the fourth Doctor and Adric didn't really get along very well at all, and he 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 was quite tetchy with him 
you know, for those. No, actually, actually, have get... having, having just watched those, I don't know. I think I think they uh, they made a pretty good team, and and yeah, some of the same qualities are in Capaldi. So, yeah, bring back Adric and uh, put him with Capaldi. I, I think the only reason to bring back Adric is so they can kill him again. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but possibly, I, I I I think the fourth Doctor and Adric worked really well as well. I'm not sure Adric worked with anybody else that well, and I think that's what ended up leading to his removal from the series really but i'd very much like to see tegan and the capaldi doctor oh no because i think <laughs> uh, possibly chuck in a bit of amy pond there as well and i think you've got some kind of big brother uh show really haven't you only one of them's going to make it out alive maybe donna and just about any doctor yeah i mean it. It's always difficult coming up with stuff like this off top of your head, but there, there are quite a few combinations that I think would warrant examination or could be interesting. It's interesting, actually, because Big Finish have just announced that for their 200th uh, main range release, they're going to be celebrating um, by doing this kind of thing. They've, they've not called it a mashup, but they're mm. going to have the 5th, 6th and 7th Doctor uh, featuring stories with companions that I think were, you know, chronologically before them. So I think Joe Grant's coming back, um, Fraser Hines is coming back, and I can't remember Did the other one now. Peter Purvis, Did he I think. Leave? Yeah, there you go. So the Seventh Doctor and Stephen Taylor um, is one that we're going to get to hear, um, and I'm, oh. I'm, I'm quite looking Ooh. forward to that. Yeah, one. that sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Well, there you go. Any more comments on that one? Or we we dealt with that one rather quickly. I can, I can come up with another one if you like. I think you should because I I have have a hard time dealing with those sort of questions. I suppose because I mean I, I always find it difficult because well, ones that require I, I mean, imagination. Because, I mean, true. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot of the ones that you guys have come up with have have been like putting like with like, like yeah. A brace of people with a brace of people, but if I was pressed to come up with someone, I'd probably think of opposites. So to me, I'd go back to Sarah Jane, and I would put her with Capaldi. Yeah, that's a good one. Because Sarah Jane would not put up with any of that sort of nonsense. Yes, Sarah that's... Jane is the companion that that um, Clara should be. Clara shouldn't put up with any of his nonsense, but she does, and she gives her all her own nonsense, but. Sarah Jane's pretty level-headed, and I'm not sure she would put up with um, the way Capaldi carries on. I think possibly the modern version of Sarah Jane, that would be true too, but she put up with an awful lot of rubbish from the fourth Doctor back in the day. Um, But I I think Liz Sladen's character would have worked well with anyone. Like what? Well, the fourth Doctor was incredibly rude in the same way Capaldi is. He doesn't look at his companions. He can be very derisory. Sorry? Rude. Baker no, he... was Baker was uh, derisive of fools. He 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 wasn't outright rude. Oh, I think he was on certain times. Um, uh, certainly towards the end of his era, not so much with uh, Sarah Jane, admittedly. But there were times when you didn't always buy the fact that the pair of them were friends. There were times when they were, and I would contend that they were with Clara and the. Capaldi Doctor as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Sarah Jane would work pretty much with any Doctor, frankly. And we saw her, what, with the 10th, 11th, and um, and and 4th and 3rd. So, yeah, she certainly saw, well, if you include the five Doctors, <laughs> lots of others as well. But she worked really well, full stop. She was a very good companion, wasn't she, Sarah Jane? Let's face it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, she mm. was. Okay. Final question. And you have to answer in one sentence. 
<clears throat> what was under the bed in listen? Dunno. Under the under the bed or under the blanket? Ha, ha, ha. Under the bed? Very well listened. Yeah. I, I thought, <laughs> well, this was asked by Sarah, who apparently is in Transylvania, and okay. I think well, she un- means under the, the under the bed. <laughs> under the bed, I would guarantee there were probably dust bunnies. I, yeah, you know, and almost, Clara almost. <laughs> and and Rupert. <laughs> um, but I, th- I think she means under the uh, under the bedspread, which a pair of you well, alluded to. Well, last we, week. we've we've seen the pictures, and it looked like it was you under the blanket to me. Mm. Uh, and, and for whatever mm. <laughs> whatever I saw there will go with me to my grave. So I am not telling. Well, then that makes the whole question a bit moot, doesn't it? You've seen it, we haven't. So and there you are. That's what's the a point very of us speculating. It's a very meta description for the entire episode, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody knows, but nobody's telling. Well, thank you, listeners, for playing. Thank you for, uh, you know, Mm. stump the Doctor Who podcast hosts. And uh, and you have. So it's been been great to hear your questions. Um, Good to be with you, Trev. Good to be with you, James. Always fun to speak to you, Michelle. Um, One of these days we'll do it during your waking hours, possibly. I was just going to say, I know what's going to be under my blanket in a few minutes, and it's going to be me. You. So, <laughs> and do you know Nighty what? That's night. much, much more scary than what we saw in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know that. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye for now. Bye. One of our listeners wrote in and asked, how does Trevor start the outros on most Doctor Who podcasts? Well, he usually starts from this way. You've been listening to the Doctor Podcast. Another listener actually wrote in last week and said, um, what's the next bit you usually put in after you've done that you've been listening to? That's a really interesting question. It, it can vary from week to week. Sometimes I might say, brought to you this week by Tom, James and Trevor. But for this particular week, and it's probably been this way for a couple of weeks now, I say, uh, brought to you this week by James, Trevor and Michelle. The last question we received was, uh, how how does it all end up? How how does a typical outro finish? Well, I usually finish it by saying, you can check out more episodes of the show at thedoctorypodcast.com. Or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or drop by the Doctor Podcast forums and say hi. Thanks for listening. See you later. I hope that answers your question. Ah. My sonic screwdriver doesn't work. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. Is he playing with his sonic screwdriver? My eighth, my eighth Doctor Sonic screwdriver. Yeah. <laughs> I know I came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Is that a delay? It's taking that long to come back to me. It's so strange. I can't hear it from this end, but I can hear it from your end. I'm that deaf. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, is that you? That has to be you. Yeah, that's that's, Wait, that's you. Stop playing with your sonic screwdrivers. Mine's not working. Who were? It might be mine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, God, Michelle. I'll be happy. Hey.